Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported show. To support it, go to weirdhistorypodcast.com. This is not a current event show, but every so often, I've got to drop what I'm doing and dive into something really quick so I can do an episode on what's in the news. And this is one of those instances. Fidel Castro died last week. He was 90 years old. And I almost didn't believe the news when I heard it. For years, I assumed that Castro, along with Keith Richards, was living, or rather unliving, proof that necromancy may be worked. Like, you could die back in the 70s, and after that, do some incantations and sacrifice a goat, and maybe be around as a shambling, deathly zombie person until the 2000s, or until the sun exploded, or whenever. But... No, he turned out to be quite mortal. Long-lived, but mortal. And after Castro's death, social media was buzzing with memes and links and articles and images about how he had lived to be 90 years old, despite the fact that he survived numerous assassination attempts. And many of the images, the links, the memes, and the like that I saw had a number attached to them. 634. Supposedly, Castro survived 634 different attempts on his life throughout his life. And today I want to get into where that number comes from, what it means, what it includes, and what is maybe kind of maybe possibly exaggerated about Castro's storied dodging of assassination attempts. So first off, that figure that was on so many links and images this past week, it comes from one source, a source that's maybe slightly suspect. And that is Fabian Escalante, who was Castro's chief of counterintelligence for much of the 20th century. Escalante was basically Castro's guy to make sure the CIA or whoever else didn't do things to him, Cuba, the Eastern Bloc, that kind of thing. And Escalante, in several interviews, estimated that there were 38 assassination attempts on Castro under Eisenhower, 42 under Kennedy, 72 under Johnson, 184 under Nixon, 64 under Carter, 197 under Reagan, 16 under George H.W. Bush, and 21 under Clinton. And I guess Gerald Ford never got around to plotting to kill Castro, which kind of makes me feel bad for Gerald Ford. He's not one of the presidents featured in Point Break, in the ex-president bank robbing gang, and he's not in the presidents who tried to kill Castro Club. Poor Gerald Ford. I am inclined to be somewhat skeptical of Escalante's number for two big reasons. One is that I am skeptical of anything that comes from just one guy and is not corroborated by anything else, especially when that one guy is a counterintelligence officer inside of an authoritarian regime. Also, Escalante has every reason to exaggerate the might and effectiveness of the people that he was fending off. Exaggerating the might and Kyle, and cunning, and bloodthirstiness of your enemies is a time-honored tradition. If you believe several ancient Roman writers, not least of which was Julius Caesar, various barbarian tribes were gigantic super-warriors straight off of the cover of a metal album. Nobody wants to say that they defeated meek, or cowardly, or ineffective enemies. They want to triumph over somebody impressive, somebody relentless, somebody who comes back and tries again and again, to kill your guy. So it's in Escalante's best interest to talk up Castro's would-be assassins by making them look 
relentless and bloodthirsty, he makes himself look steely, determined, and effective. So, that number 634, it's not impossible, but it's also uncorroborated. Meanwhile, in the United States, there was a congressional committee called the Church Committee. It was named after Senator Frank Church. It was not called that because it was held in the church. That concluded that as of 1976, yes, indeed, the CIA had tried to kill Fidel Castro. That is not something that's been made up. That really happened. And according to the church committee, as of 1976, they had tried to kill him eight times, which is something of a step down from 634. Now, I really want to emphasize here that there's no way to really know how many times U.S. government agents or anyone else tried to assassinate Castro. Given that we're dealing with intelligence agencies who probably haven't declassified all their stuff or didn't document all of their stuff, uh, the exact number of Castro assassination attempts, that is probably lost to history. But it's probably somewhere between 8 and 634. We just don't know. We have no idea what's really real here. But they did happen, and here's a grab bag of some of the various goofy ways that various assassins have tried to off Castro. I'll start with what is probably the most famous assassination attempt on Castro, which is, unfortunately, probably also an urban myth. Whenever you talk to somebody about the CIA assassinating Castro, they will probably mention exploding cigars. The exploding cigar thing is very, very poorly documented. We cannot confirm that anyone actually tried to give Castro a TNT cigar out of a Looney Tunes cartoon. That would have been dramatic, certainly, but probably not a thing. What we do know, though, and what the church committee did find evidence of, were poison cigars. So, that's not as dramatic in Looney Tunes as an exploding stogie, but it still involved turning the dictator's most iconic accessory into a deadly thing. Also, poison milkshakes. Fidel Castro loved milkshakes almost as much as he loved cigars, though you don't really look as iconic and badass with a milkshake as a cigar, so I guess the milkshakes didn't get in nearly as many photos. But apparently there were also attempts to poison his favorite dessert snack. He was also an avid diver. At one point, the CIA tried to poison a wetsuit, and so when Castro put it on, bad things would happen to his skin and he would die while doing a favorite leisure activity. Also related to diving, there was an idea about rigging up an interesting-looking conch shell into a death trap. The idea was that when Castro was scuba diving in a non-poison wetsuit, he would see this conch shell that had unusual coloration that was weirdly shiny, and he would go dive for it. Then it would explode. I love this one because it's so incredibly complicated, because it relies on a world leader being distracted by a shiny object, and because there are so many ways that this could go very dramatically wrong. Like, what if somebody else found a conch shell? Or what if an octopus just found it, and then a piece of ocean exploded for seemingly no reason? All kinds of things. But apparently this plan never got past a drawing board. So those are all confirmed things that we know the CIA did, and apparently there were a few instances where they just gave, you know, kind of annoyed Cumid Exiles guns, which is less dramatic in Looney Tunes, but no litany of Bond movie-esque assassinations would be complete without at least one femme fatale. So, of course, there's a well-known anecdote about Castro almost being killed by a sexy death lady, 
Castro was known to have had numerous mistresses throughout his life, and, supposedly, a potential assassin managed to smuggle in some poison pills that she would somehow deposit in him. Our source on this is unusual. It is the femme fatale herself, uh, Marita Lorenz, who gave a tell-all interview to Vanity Fair in 1993. And what she says sounds almost too dramatic to be true. Here it is, quote, When Castro finally appeared, he was wary. Are you running with those counter-revolutionaries in Miami? I said yes. I tried to play it cool. The most nervous I have ever been was in that room, because I had agents on standby, and I had to watch my timing. I had enough hours to stay with him, order a meal, kill him, and prevent him from making a speech that night, which was already pre-announced. He was very tired and wanted to sleep. He was chewing a cigar, and he laid down on the bed and said, Did you come here to kill me? Just like that. I was standing at the edge of the bed. I said, Yes, I wanted to see you. And he said, That's good. That's good. Castro asked if she was working for the CIA. I said, Not really. I work for myself. Then he leaned over and pulled out his forty-five and handed it to me. I flipped the chamber out and hit it back. He didn't even flinch, and he said, you can't kill me. Nobody can kill me. And he kind of smiled and chewed on his cigar. I felt deflated. He was so sure of me. He just grabbed me. We made love. I contemplated staying, to try talking to him later after his speech. But it would be too late, because he rambles on for eight, ten, twelve hours. That was the hardest part. I wanted him to beg me to stay, but he got dressed and left. I just sat there by myself a while. I left him a note. I told him that I would be back. Unquote. Oh my god, if this was a movie, that little scene right there, that would have included dramatic music, smoldering glares, lots of smooching, and wow, that is amazing. Maybe too amazing to have actually happened. Uh, Marita Lorenz also claimed to have had an illegitimate son with Castro, and also claimed to have hung out with Lee Harvey Oswald. A lot of what she says does not appear to be corroborated. So I'd take her words with a great big hunk of fancy Himalayan salt. And reading about this, I did wonder about how many of these tales grew in the telling, how many of these were just weird, tossed-off attempts at killing somebody that eventually grew into a goofy list of cartoony spy movie non-murders. Like, the shell thing. That apparently never got past a drawing board, and do we count that in that 634 number? Uh, it seems weird to actually do it, because counting just a bunch of spies thinking about, well, maybe we could do it this way, that doesn't seem to be an attempt. That just seems to be an idea. But one thing that was an actual real attempt was a mafia hit orchestrated by the CIA in 1960 that would have, if all had gone right, just looked like pissed-off mobsters killing Castro because he had de Cosa nostra Cuba. Incidentally, the two mobsters whom the CIA tried to enlist... Sam Giancana and Santos Traficante, they were both on the FBI's most wanted list. So this is a fun little tidbit about one agency wanting to use these guys to kill somebody and another agency wanting to lock them up. A mafia killing, that would have been plausible. And had it gone awry, or these guys got caught or killed, or they ended up talking about it to somebody later and got found out, it would have allowed the U.S. government to just whistle innocently and walk away like nothing had happened. It was just the mafia protecting their interests in Cuba. Not the CIA doing a political assassination. No. 
So these two FBI most wanted mobster guys empowered by the CIA, they decided that poison was the way to go. They gave some poison pills to a Cuban official who supposedly had access to Castro, but then at the last minute, the official bowed out, so no mafia delivered poison. Man, there's a lot of poison in this episode. And if you believed everything you read about people trying to off Fidel Castro, you'd just assume that everything around him was poison. Just everything. Poison just everywhere. It's worth noting, by the way, that political assassinations are no longer avowed international policy. Uh, I'm sure that plenty of countries would love to just surreptitiously murder their opponents, but the UN Charter specifically prohibits that. And the Charter isn't binding, but it is a powerful statement of international norms. Also, it's helpful not to kill other world leaders so they don't respond in kind. You know, there's a real incentive to not just try to shoot each other even when you have really bad relations. So nowadays, if we want to kill a foreign leader like, say, Saddam Hussein, we have a good civilized war beforehand, and then we kill him later. And I also wondered, if Castro had been killed, would that have changed Cuba in any kind of meaningful way? For instance, it's not like Venezuela got really great after Hugo Chavez died. If anything, uh, it got worse. Sometimes when you cut the head off a snake, you just get more snake. This is a weird metaphor. But while reading about this this week, I realized there's something I really want, something that's maybe macabre and in bad taste and sort of inappropriate. I would love to play a board game or a card game where the players are rival CIA agents in the 60s, all trying to kill Fidel Castro with things like exploding conch shells or, you know, poison milkshakes, or other types of, you know, weird, impractical things. And, uh, would that be in bad taste? Is it too soon for that? Still, could be a fun gaming experience, with all the players trying to collaborate on a goal, but being kind of competitive about it. But, again, he seemed like a fixture of the 20th century. He seemed immortal. He, after all, he had been in power since the Eisenhower administration. And so, when I learned that Fidel Castro had died, I was reminded of, of all things, The Hobbit. Specifically, the chapter Riddles in the Dark, when Bilbo and Gollum are trading riddles, and Gollum offers this last quandary to our halfling hero. He asks him, This thing all things devours, birds, bees, trees, flowers, gnaws iron, bites steel, Grinds hard stones to meal, slays kings, ruins town, and beats high mountain down. When he hears this riddle, Bilbo immediately thinks of violence, of might. He tries to think of what fierce warriors, mighty giants, or amazing monsters would be capable of such things, and he can think of none of them. He can think of none of them that could actually best kings, towns, mountains, and nature itself. It's nothing so brutal, though. The answer, of course, is the same thing that ultimately killed Fidel Castro. Time. This podcast is 100% listener-supported. Supported by you. Go to weirdhistorypodcast.com. There is a donate link. That would be wonderful of you. Also, if another way to help out the show is to give a rating or review on iTunes. Give us stars and words, many stars, kind words, and that will do some kind of algorithmic alchemy inside iTunes that will help other people discover the show. I am on social media, facebook.com slash weirdhistorypodcast. I am on Twitter, at Joe Streckert. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.